Hey guys, before we start this episode of Blunder Phonics, this is going to be a very dark episode, and while this is a comedic music history podcast, there are a lot of horrible, horrible things that happen to real-life people in this episode. So if you are somebody who is squeamish, if you are... So if you are triggered at all by suicide, self-mutilation, animal abuse, or murder, I highly suggest you skip this episode. And if you're way into that stuff, get some therapy. Welcome to Blunder Phonics, where we put music's most troubled productions to tape. I'm Jack Durback. I'm what remains of Spencer Faust after I opened the Black Pandora's box <laughs> of black metal. <laughs> Spencer, how are you doing? We just listened to some noisy, noisy music, and this is coming off of a Metallic episode where you confided in me that you didn't really listen to metal. The most you listened to was like Slipknot and 2000s alternative metal. How was this? You know, I enjoyed metal the most when we were fighting the power with Zack over at Rage Against the Machine, but now um, now we've opened a dark and cursed treasure chest. Oh, it's... I, I opened the latch, felt the chill in the air. I did not know better. I invited those dark spirits into me, and now I can speak Norwegian. <laughs> I, I will have to say, before we get started, I have to announce that I made a grievous error in our last episode. Uh, on the Dixie Chicks, so approximately 0% of black metal fans would have heard this. I called this death metal. It's not death metal. It's it's very different. I wanted to ask you, Spencer, before we jumped in, if you could discern the difference between what you would call death metal and what we listen to today, which is black metal. It is, I actually, I actually know this one. Um, it is black metal if it is, uh, number one, Norse. And number two, uh, if you if you look deep into the vinyl record, you see no light. It is perfect darkness, like the infinite yawning void. And it's death metal if the f- you know first one hundred members of the focus groups, if at least ten of them die. <laughs> Just listening to it, not like I mean everyone dies. That happens. But I think the best way to describe it is death metal is the sound of killing, and black metal is the sound of dying. I think that's the best way you can put it. Death metal makes you want to murder people, and black metal makes you want to be murdered. Now, hear me out. I've been told that death is actually kind of a peaceful thing that washes over you, and is that what you would describe what we've listened to? (laughs) Uh, Washes over is a good term for black metal. I will say it's way more atmospheric than death metal. Death metal is all about the rhythm and the chugging and being just super brutal. I wouldn't call this brutal. I would call this just like the sound of death farting at you. Yeah, I mean, jokes aside, there is actually an atmosphere to this one. Washing over, decent way to put it, there's an ambiance to it. That said, kind of lose the ambiance when the vocalist comes in, who sounds like an amalgamation of Beavis and Butthead and Gollum. (laughs) Gollum is a very interesting comparison because black metal is heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings mythology, as I'm sure you've probably picked up on. isn't inspired by Lord of the Rings mythology? (laughs) I just... 
fucking Dungeons and Dragons. Don't at me, nerds. I know it's not actually. But realistically, Tolkien was inspired by just, you know, Catholic mythology. So I guess black metal really does have its religious roots. Oh, it it certainly does. And I feel like now that you've listened to black metal, you can look back on Loveless back when you said that was a cacophony of noise and you felt audibly assaulted. I have a feeling if you went back and listened to that album, you'd find it pretty peaceful. I actually do. I, I was working on a copy of, of our Loveless episode and turning it into a video format. And this was, you know, about like a year after I first listened to the album. And I actually really enjoyed it in some parts, which was a strange transformative growth. Uh, and so maybe, Jack, a year from now, I won't hate my life when I listen to this. <laughs> no, you, you should still hate your life. That's half the enjoyment of black metal. You're miserable together with the noise. Spencer, how would you describe somebody in a black metal band? Because I'm sure you have an image in your head. Hmm. Uh, okay, so so we talked about the slimy, gray-skinned, um, shrunk-down hobbit who's on the vocals. We talked about him already. <laughs> he has a fun riddle game in the cavern. It's real cool. You could take his magic ring. Let's see. Over on the, the, the base... We have what I can only assume is an ogre. Maybe on the guitar, we've got... He's salad fingers. He's salad <laughs> fingers. And on the drums is probably an octopus with an octuple bass pedal. The correct answer I was looking for is the corpse paint, the black clothes. Black metal's image is all about white faces painted, dark makeup. Well, hold on now. This this sounds like a, a cultural no-no. <laughs> This sounds reminiscent of a bad thing. <laughs> I just can't put it it's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? Mm. The, the idea is to look like the undead. I don't know what you're referring to. I have, uh, I will plead the fifth. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay. Well, I guess my mind's somewhere else. <laughs> Black metal is all about the image. You know, it, it's something that goes beyond just brutal sounding music. They really like to play up how they look. Jack, quick question. Where do we bridge the gap? Like, if I'm talking about Mayhem, how far is that gap from Mayhem to, to like, Lordy and Guar? Because I'm, you're talking about the aesthetic of black metal. How does that extend to, like, costume metal? Right. It's interesting because I feel like black metal as an image was pretty much... Like, black metal got its image after Mayhem. Like, after Mayhem sort of donned the makeup. When you think of, like, Guar and, like, Slipknot bands that, like, put on a big show. That, I would say, is more attributed to, like, Kiss or Alice Cooper, who... Really? Okay, so that's more Americanized, I, right? I, I would say so. I, I know this. The band itself actually looked down upon, like, Alice Cooper and Kiss. They thought that they were putting on a big trendy show. It was too mainstream. Well, who wouldn't look down on either one of them? But <laughs> I, I feel not like... Not great people. I, I feel like the image you think of when you think of a band that's like kind of culturally accepted like Slipknot. It's more of just that an image. It's not about like looking like you're dead. It's more about putting on a show. And mm -hmm. we'll get into how Mayhem handles this. Okay, the bridge is too, it's a bridge too far, you might say. I would say so. For all I know, nowadays, black metal is just sort of in the mainstream, so people might be inspired by it. But the idea of black metal is not to put on a show like that. It is meant to scare people. It is meant to make people be shocked and less so like put on a big grand show where like you have a clown guy beating on a tin can drum or anything like that. <laughs> Pretty much 
everything you know about black metal in terms of the mainstream and just like if you ask somebody on the street, what does a black metal artist look like? Their answer always relates to what was started by a band known as Mayhem. That's the one we're listening That's to. That's the one we're listening to. That's right. Mayhem is like the center of this dark storm over Norway's metal scene. They were... A badge of shame, maybe? <laughs> a badge of shame. Norway is the country we're going to when we talk about black metal. It is where this genre was formed. Some would say uh, unborn, like a little antichrist. Forged from the uh, the, the pits in Isengard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. In the middle of this extreme metal scene in Norway was this band called Mayhem. And it was formed by guitarist Oystein Arseth. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that entirely correctly. Just, you're not. Just embrace it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Which is why I'm very happy to announce that usually in black metal, they go by weirdo names. He used to go under the name as Destructor before finally deciding he would be known as Euronymous, which I know I could kind of pronounce because it's like anonymous with Europe. Close enough, right? Euronymous. 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 That does sound like a Eurovision band. <laughs> it was actually based off of Greek mythology. This one's hard to pronounce. It's not Euronymous, but Eurynomos was a demon of rotting corpses that lived in the underworld. And he read that. He's like, eh, Euronymous sounds better. So he went by that. Hmm. What's crazy here, Jack, is I don't know if either pronunciation you gave me was correct, and it could meet somewhere in the middle, somewhere way off in left field. Uranimus, I think, may, I don't know, that sounds right to me. Words are really all about what you think they should be pronounced. <laughs> all I know is that his bassist had a much easier to understand name, Necrobutcher. Necro Butcher. And that's his Christian name, right? Right. That's what he was born with. He later changed it to John to sound more menacing. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, the band took their name from a Venom song called Mayhem with Mercy. Venom is one of those extreme metal bands that was formed in the United Kingdom alongside like Iron Maiden, who were known for being really terrible and recording with like the worst equipment you could imagine. They didn't know how to play their instruments. And people loved it because it sounded like a bunch of idiots who didn't know what they were doing. Venom, who we're not going to talk about very much, had a album called Black Metal, which is not what we listen to. It is much more along the lines of classic heavy metal. It was just recorded really terribly. And a lot of people, especially in Norway, really liked the ramshackle sound and thought it could be pushed to an even bigger extreme. I don't understand these genres Jack. <laughs> i don't i just don't get the music trends where they're like yeah i'd love it what if it sounded shittier though like, it's like <laughs> i don't love classic punk before anybody comes at me right now but like i don't get it why is that the appeal of so many genres like yeah this sounds fine i think what how could we just uh, how could we jam it through a gramophone <laughs> i think what happened was venom was like oh we really like metal they recorded it and it sounded awful and people were like, all right, now I want to do that on purpose. There are just people out there who like to do that kind of shit. Mayhem was formed out of this love for wanting to create dark and evil music. So Necrobutcher Necro and Euronymous hired a vocalist named Maniac so they could record a 1987 extended play called Death Crush. Death Crush? Well, hang on. Important question here. Do you pick your black metal name per band, or is it for the whole scene? All of these black metal artists in Norway knew each other. They hung out a lot. 
So I think it was more of like a group thing, like a nickname. Like, you know how I call you out of the podcast, Buster Jones. You know? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and how I call you uh, Satan. That's right. We call each other that just for fun. Like if we were in a band, we would just call each other that. Yeah. But sometimes they would be involved in other projects, other black metal bands and go by the same name. Right. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. It also, okay, so it's like a scene-wide nickname. It also helps because I'm English and I understand what the hell a maniac is, and I don't know how to pronounce Ven Erik Christiansen. I mean, that actually said flo- Thank you. Flawless. Thank you. I, I just slurred my speech and it worked. Anyways, they recruited this vocalist and recorded Death Crush as a direct criticism of the death metal scene, which actually was becoming more and more popular in Norway. Uh, Euronymous felt that death metal was becoming too trendy and too over the top with its gore to the point where it was like cartoonish. Like nobody was going to listen to Cannibal Corpse and think, oh, they're actually cannibals. It just sounds like a bunch of meatheads just gutturally screaming. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It became the happy tree friends uh, instead of the, the, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses. I he was like, the music's not actually dangerous. It, it's pretending to be, and it's making all these mothers scared. They need something to be actually afraid of. So they recorded this EP. Um, the EP, because it was this genre that wasn't really a thing at the time, was released in Euronymous's own record store, which he named Hevelt, which of course is Norwegian for hell. He limited it to a thousand copies, and it quickly sold out. It became a very well-known beginning of what was going to be Norway's most popular extreme metal music scene. After the EP was recorded, Maniac parted ways with the band. He was just sort of there to give a voice to Euronymous's music. They needed somebody who was going to be a bit more permanent. They found somebody who went under the name of Dead. This I gotta say, my favorite part is how creative they are. <laughs> They they really are. You get Maniac, you get Dead. I kind of miss the Necro Butchers. We need to, like, combine some, like, more hardcore names. Necro Butcher was where we peaked on names thus far. <laughs> they came across Dead after he sent them a demo package of his vocals, along with a crucified mouse in the mail. This is on par with Jared Leto's method acting for Suicide Squad, <laughs> so... Um, if it works for him, it'll work for them. Yep, he just sent them a crucified mouse, and they're like, he must be a good vocalist. Crucified on what? A mini, cro a little baby cross? I'm thinking, yeah, like that, or like toothpicks, I, I, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, he's he. that was quite the arts and crafts project, I imagine. A as they got to know Dead, they found that he was a big fan of mutilated animals. He liked to collect dead birds and kept... Oh, he didn't push himself outside his comfort zones no, to do this big right. audition? No, that was a passion project? Exactly. He liked to keep dead birds around. He had dead geese under his bed. And he was known for having a plastic bag of a dead crow. And whenever he would go on stage, he would open it up and take a big whiff so he would feel the death in him before he performed. I'm feeling the death in me right now. Before we go any further, it's going to get worse. If there's any <laughs> listeners out there, this is a music this is a music history podcast and a comedy podcast. Things are going to get really fucking dark. So I if you clutched your pearls at the Joker, I would put that fucking car in reverse and get out of here. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> this one's not for you. It, it, we're already on the dead animals and this is just the beginning, Spencer. Dead along with their new drummer and noted racist homosexual murderer supporter Hellhammer, 
Now, the order of operations there is important. <gasps> Racist homosexual murderer supporter. Is he in favor of of murderers who are homosexuals and racists? Uh, this this drummer, Hellhammer. <laughs> That's fair. Move along. Most people in black metal are very racist. This is going to be something that becomes more and more apparent. How diverse is Norway, you know, that, that you can even be racist, right? How many other demographics are you running into that aren't just like... <laughs> white Norsemen. I think that's... Am I, am I crazy? Like, is there like a large Latino population that gets persecuted out there? Just... I, I feel like that might be the problem. They're not familiar, so it's foreign to them and they're scared and they're like, I don't like that. Mm. Maybe that's the problem. Uh, sure. As for the homosexual murder support, let's just say there have been some homosexuals who were killed by black metal fans and he supports the killing, not the oh, other, okay. not the lifestyle. So he is somebody right. who we're just not going to like. Yeah, no redeeming qualities thus far. No. How many geese under the bed? No geese. No, no geese, geese under, under the bed whatsoever for Hellhammer. No. Interesting. I would also like to note that this is a side detail, that the drummer is pro-killing the gays, because that honestly is not going to be the main focus. That's just something that I would like to add on to the kind of people that make this music. Yeah, sure, sure, okay. And we're painting with broad strokes here. Right, of course. I mean, obviously this is in the 90s, so things were a little bit more accepted back then, like... Killing gay people. <laughs> it was a different time. This is post-Madonna. This is the 90s. What the fuck was going on in Norway? Jesus H. Christ. Back to Dead. Back to the guy who collects dead birds. Yes. Dead really liked to play this persona on stage. And what he did during their concerts was kind of what gave birth to the black metal movement as a whole. He was the one who originally wore corpse paint. Not to look like Kiss, not to look like Alice Cooper. He thought that was too trendy. He literally wanted to look like a corpse when he performed black metal. So much so that he would bury his clothes and unbury them when it was time for a concert so he would look like he just rose from the dead. Also, he liked to whiff dead crows. So, you know, couple, yeah, combine those it's things like, you know, together. <laughs> You buried the lead there um, <laughs> by by opening with crow smelling. But <laughs> has this guy thought about, you know, in the in the warm up to the show, um, overdosing and then being brought back from the edge with some, you know what I mean, some Narcan? I don't know if they ever got that far. I feel like that would really bring the dead out. <laughs> what I will say is that those who became close with dead, I put close in quotation marks, understood that he was not mentally well. Why? Uh, some think that he suffered from Coutard's syndrome. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but it's known as walking corpse syndrome. It is an actual mental syndrome that some people suffer where they literally think that they were dead. And a lot of people found out that he was bullied a lot in school. At Why? one point, he was beaten so bad his spleen ruptured. Oh, that's awesome. And he was clinically dead for a time. And some people think that it has something to do with how he grew up afterwards. We also would like to keep in mind that all these people involved in black metal are like 18, young. under 20. These are all young guys who, I guess, have no direction in life and decided, hey, might as well go down to hell. So we have Dead's backstory. He was considered dead and he thinks he is literally a dead person reborn to do black metal. Let's get back to the dead animals, something a little bit more lighthearted. 
Yes, please. I've been waiting to get back to the dead animals, Jack. <laughs> the band was a huge fan of props. Specifically, they loved impaling pig and sheep heads onto the stage whenever they performed and actually loved it when their audience would volleyball these heads around in the audience. Did Sesame Street not make it to Norway? Is that the problem? <laughs> I think it's directly related, yes. I think without Sesame Street, we would be primal animals. Now, you might think to yourself, well, this is absolutely horrid. Why are they doing this? There actually was a purpose instead of just shock value. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, uh, they would do this specifically... Tax write-off? <laughs> no, not quite that. They would volleyball around dead animal heads specifically to scare off death metal fans. Specifically to scare off people who were like, ooh, this is scary music. They didn't want posers in their audience. What better way to scare off the posers than to volleyball dead animal parts around until they all left? Dead in particular loved doing this because he got to see who was truly evil and worth their music. You're saying it's a hazing routine for the audience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And people who are like, oh, yeah, I'll volleyball around a dead animal. They were worth black metal. Okay. So these are the people we're dealing with, Spencer. These are the people who stuck around. Cool people. Cool people who like, you know, murder animals. This is where we're at. Yeah, cool people. This is the beginning. This is not the peak. We still haven't even really hit the end of Act 1. Not even close. It got to the point where it went beyond showmanship. You go from throwing around dead animal corpses, which you could say maybe they went to a butcher shop, you know. Maybe they didn't directly murder these animals. The concerts got even more disturbing when dead started bringing knives and broken glass onto the stage. And actually, a lot of people thought that that was definitely a step too far, and they became increasingly concerned with Dead's well-being. That was a step too far? Yep. What did you call the pig heads? See, it's different because they're animals and not people, Spencer. <laughs> True. Cool. True. Yeah, that, True. That, that's who we're dealing with. We're dealing with racists and homophobes. We can just use the catch-all psychopaths. That's Yeah, yes, they're, they're psychopaths. I'm not going to say all of Norway is full of these people, but there is definitely a group of psychopaths who Their are, black metal scene certainly was. They, they are finding this home. These mentally disturbed people are finding a community, and they're building. It's all about finding a community. It's Holy all about shit. getting along. I Listen, that's just what the Manson family was about, was finding a community. Yep, that's another series. Jonestown, finding a community. Yet another uh, murder relation, Spencer. The Third Reich, finding a community. Uh, speaking of Third Reich, they're all neo-Nazis. No, Jack, no. <laughs> all, Don't speak of that. <laughs> they all thought that Norway was under this Jewish propaganda, and I'm willing to... <laughs> I'm willing to bet all of the YouTube comments in the world are from Norway. We're 45 years past that. <laughs> oh, no, we're still in it, Spencer. We're still in it. They're out there. When we got to the crucified mice <laughs> and sniffing the dead ravens, really lowered my bar, thought I'd kind of set it where it needed to go. Turns out it did, in fact, need to go lower. Oh, yeah. Imagine the worst person, and you get yourself... Halfway to black metal. These are people that not only are willing to do disturbing things, but they want to push the envelope. Psychopath is a great term for it, or sociopath. I'm not sure which one's more appropriate. Maybe a mix. 
You never know. It's it, What's crazy to me, though, is that, well, first of all, all of it, but second, most of this stuff is in the name of scaring off the posers. It's also image-centric. Like, it's so... It lacks self-confidence, and they're like, well, we, I mean, it's not good enough. We got to make sure our image is as good as it can be. You know what I mean? We're waiting in the kiddie pool of darkness right now. Our pinky toes think the water's a little bit too hot, and we're about to be waterboarded in this. Okay, hit me, hit me. Come on, let's go. Get your snorkels. We're going in. We are about to get started with their first album. Mayhem needs to record something and release it. They've only released Death Crush. It wasn't with Dead, this very infamous singer. And they needed an actual album to sell. They were gaining a lot of traction. As I said before, people were really concerned about Dead's mental health. Euronymous thought he was amazing. He thought the self-mutilation was what was really proving him to be worthy of their black metal vocalist. So he decided to take this band, Hellhammer, Necro Butcher, Dead, and himself, into this Norwegian forest into this little abandoned house so they can write De Mysteries Dom Satanis. I'm sorry, they're like, they're doing some method acting prep a la Evil Dead? Yeah, what? pretty much. It's They pretty much watched Evil Dead and said, this movie has the word evil and dead in it, let's do it. All right, we're going to find the first abandoned shack in the woods. <laughs> And um, just if there is cellar, we've ripped that shit open, first and foremost. (laughs) They wanted to go back to pagan ideals and get in touch with nature pre-industrialization. I think that has a lot to do with them hiding out in the woods. They wanted to get back in touch with what the world used to be. However, surprisingly enough, when you get four people who all like to torture dead animals and like to harm each other and themselves, and you put them in a tiny house in the middle of the woods... Tensions start to get a little bit, um, heated. Euronymous, in particular, was known for being very, very hard to work with. Euronymous is kind of the brains behind the operation of Mayhem and, to a larger extent, black metal. He was known as the king or godfather of the scene because he would invite all these like-minded, tortured individuals into his record store. They would all hang out in his basement and think of how they can make evil the next big thing in Norway. In a way, he is kind of the Axl Rose of the situation, and unfortunately that means he has a lot of control, and he's a bit of a prick. And you say Euronymous is hard to work with. I imagine Dead is harder to work with. Dead, hey, can you come in? We, we want to record this bass line. I'm in my corpse chamber. <laughs> Dead, you're in a bathtub full of soil. Don't disturb me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Euronymous was kind of like the big cheese, and Dead was like the, I'm the true artist here. Necro Butcher in particular has spoken out against Euronymous saying that he really liked playing up the image just as much as like the death metal acts would. He was not really an evil man. Like literally, he did terrible things, but it was for showmanship. Oh yeah, which makes it okay. No, well, I mean, obviously, I don't think so. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not a genuine psychopath. I just did all that stuff to look cool. In comparison... A lot of people had a hard time connecting with Dead because they got the impression that he was doing it because he felt like he was a corpse made of evil. There's a big difference. It wasn't like Dead was actually caring about his image. He literally wanted to be a corpse. I can't really resonate with Dead because I'm just, like, crying out for attention and this guy's actually fucked up. Exactly. And people were disturbed by him. And when you have... 
Dead, who a lot of people have trouble connecting with, and Euronymous, who people are annoyed by. And then you put these two guys in this little cabin in the woods, things start to go really, really bad. Euronymous would play synth music at loud volumes, causing Dead to go outside and sleep in the woods because it was so irritating. At which point, Euronymous would go outside with a shotgun and fire it into the air to threaten Dead that he might come out to hunt him because he didn't like synth music. That's a strong reaction, but have you heard the synth? Yeah, if you have ever heard synth music made by a black metal artist, it's fucking atrocious. This isn't like fucking Eurodance. This isn't like they're listening to Eiffel 65, I'm Blue. <laughs> I'm assuming this is like some really terrible MIDI keyboard, like... I recorded this like I'm in the Legend of Zelda music. And it's like, I don't want to yeah, hear this that. Is, <laughs> this is the backdrop of a bad horror movie. Oh, that yeah. That kind of synth music. Definitely. Of course, because of these tensions, uh, they had to settle the score. So, of course, Dead decided to stab Euronymous at one point. Score settled. Score, in fact, a little higher on Dead's end. <laughs> Stabbing, I would say, is crossing the line for me. But apparently, it wasn't for Euronymous because... He still believed that even though he was not getting along with Dead, that he was truly what black metal was meant to be. He was the image that he wanted to craft for this scene that was pretty much his. You're saying that that Euronymous was into the stabbing because he was like, yes, you are a true black metal man. I would think so. I was I was about to give up on you, dude. I mean, when you were like <laughs> sniffing like bags of crows, I was like, that's tight. That's tight. You were pissing me off, though. You didn't like my synth shit. But this knife here that's right here in my I hip. I knew you were one of us. Come here, brother. Euronymous was so fascinated by Dead's whole image of wanting to be dead that he didn't let literal death stop him from capitalizing off of it. He would often try to convince Dead to kill himself, and he would constantly leave him alone in the house to let him do it. Okay, I'm going to go get groceries. Uh, uh, Dead, the shotgun is next to the door. Don't get any funny ideas if you know what I'm saying. Just waiting outside the front door, ear pressed to hey, it. Hey, Spencer. What the fuck, first hey, of all? Hey, Spencer, good guess. Oh, God. On April fucking. 8th, 1991... Euronymous found himself locked out of the house and had to crawl through the window, and he found Dead's body in the house. No, and it was eating cereal. No, we're going to skip over it because it's still a comedy podcast, but let's just say he followed he through it? with it. Oh, my God. Okay. You well, know, it's, it's a horrible, awful thing. What happened to Dead, no matter who you are, I can't imagine the torture you must go through, which is why we're going to focus on what Euronymous did. And he called the cops. Which was to leave. Found the park ranger. Go to the store. What? Buy a disposable camera. Stop. Go back to the scene mm -mm. and rearrange items so it would look nice no. for a photograph. Definitely no. And took pictures. Stop it. For their next couple albums. Why? Couple? What? Yep. Isn't good enough? He called up Necro Butcher and said, Dead has done something really cool. He killed himself. <sighs> Necro Butcher was fucking devastated and said, what the fuck are you talking about? Euronymous said, don't worry, dude. I took pictures. We got it. We're going to be able to capitalize off of this. Necro Butcher said, don't ever call me again as long as you have those pictures and left the band. I tried to lower my bar a little more. Um, I tried to push it down past the Nazi stuff. 
And um, here's the thing is I actually can't reach the bar anymore. It's so subterranean. I need to go get an (laughs) oil drilling rig to push it a little further. What the fuck are you talking about? He thought that the images of their dead vocalist, who everyone knew as the zombie guy, now that he's actually dead, they were able to fully prove that they were evil and satanic. They were proving their worth. Is this not a crime? We'll get into crime in Norway, but let's just say their laws are seemingly very relaxed compared to ours. <laughs> I don't think they cared about the tampering. They're like, yeah, it was a suicide, whatever, you move some shit. And they left. In an attempt to get ahead of this, I'm going to try and, like, get the bar a little lower myself. I think, is Euronymous is going to weekend at Bernie's him to the next concert? Is that how he's really going to capitalize on it? That would be way too much. Instead, he just wanted to tell all of the black metal fans that he killed himself because he thought that black metal was selling out and was becoming too trendy and commercialized. Breathtaking. While the photographs were never released on an official album, one of the photographs in 1995 was used for a live bootleg album called Dawn of the Blackhearts. The fact that this bootleg featured the singer's dead corpse was so horrid and revolting that people just assumed that it was an actual release from the band themselves. Because who else would fucking do this? And for the longest time, people just were like, oh, you know, they're suicide. Yeah, that's something Mayhem would do. This is the beginning of Act 2, Spencer. There are also a few rumors that circulate around Euronymous due to the fact that he was around Dead's dead body. Rumors, specifically, that he made himself a stew out of Dead's brain Mm -hmm. and made necklaces out of his skull to give to people he deemed worthy. Ooh, that's like a proto-Etsy move. I like it. That's right. Now, Spencer, which one of those did happen? And which one of those oh, was a rumor? Don't, oh, don't make... No, God damn it! I'm going to say trick question. Both of them happened. Oh, God. Spencer, you lowered the bar too much. The brain stew didn't happen. Good song, though. He... D- <laughs> Remember when Green Day used to feel edgy when you were like 10 years old, Spencer? Mm-hmm. Yep. I just want to say for some of our listeners at home, you might be tempted to Google Mayhem album cover. Stop. Stop right now. Don't don't do it. Stop it. Don't tell me you did it. Don't tell me you looked it up. I mean, curiosity. Killed the the crow. Put the dead goose under my bed. I'm the kind of person that likes to separate the art from the artist as much as possible. That's too much for me. Mm -hmm. Don't like that. Not a fan. That's horrible. Yeah. He crafted necklaces out of his skull to give to people that he deemed Worthy of the Black Circle. The Black Circle was the image, he was the group name he gave to people who were involved in the black metal community. All of the people in Norway who were involved in black metal would hang out with Euronymous in his basement. And if he thought they did something worthy, he would give them dead skull necklaces. One of these people that was worthy was the drummer for the black metal band Emperor who was known by the name of Faust. Not, yeah. Fa- not, not whoa, your last whoa. name. Don't whoa. worry. Whoa. Okay. Yes, Nathan first of all, Faust for, yeah, of Emperor. First of all, no necro butcher. <laughs> I gotta say, homie's inspired. Did he go for the um, uh, Christopher Marlowe Faust, or was this like the cool demon one? <laughs> this is the cool demon one. Faust earned his necklace because while he was hanging out near a very popular 
gay cruising spot, he was approached by a gay man who offered him sex, led that man into the woods, and stabbed him 37 times just to see what it would be like to kill him. Just to see. Okay, yeah. Okay, just wanted to... This he is said a, it had nothing to do with the black metal scene. This is a social experiment. I just want to know what would happen. Yep. He just wanted to know. He was fascinated by serial killers and was like, I want to try it out. He said it had nothing to do with black metal as an image. He just wanted to do it personally. Of course, Euronymous... And inspired are two different words. Just want to say, just want to get that one out there. Right. He was not arrested for this. He only told Mayhem, the band, that he did this, to which he was rewarded a necklace. So for all we know, it could be a lie and my day isn't ruined. Well, we'll get into it. (laughs) Oh, stop. God (laughs) fucking damn it. Oh my God. I hope you have a flashlight because shit's getting dark, Spencer. Shit's getting real <laughs> dark. Oh no, that's the thing is I'm embracing the darkness. There is no light in my home anymore. Yep. He he got a necklace for reporting to Mayhem that he killed a gay man. Um, and even though he said it was not for black metal, Euronymous, of course, made it a part of black metal and gave him a skull necklace. In order to reform the band and have an actual singer and a bassist to record with, he recruited several different black metal musicians. One of which was a vocalist named Occultus who didn't last long because he started threatening to kill the guy and Occultus said, oh yeah, fuck this, I'm out. But he eventually found three people who were willing to help him out on Mayhem's debut record. The first is... Soak that in. Debut record. They Their first one. They, they had an extended play and yet they were doing all this shit and amassing all of this attention. And they don't even have an album out yet. He would recruit... A man with the first name of Snore, which I think is funny, but he went under the name of Blackthorn, who did rhythm guitar. Ooh. For a vocalist, they got this man who went by the name of Attila, and this was his actual given name. I don't think he had a nickname. Gonna walk back my diversity comics. It sounds like there's Mongolians in Norway that I didn't (laughs) know about. And for bass, he hired somebody who went under the name of Count Grishnak. I don't know if you know him by his actual name, though. Varg Vikinus, who I'm not going to call Grishnak because that's stupid. He was very young at the time. I think he just turned 18. And the partnership between him and Euronymous was like a guardianship of sorts. Euronymous helped Varg. Excuse me. Euronymous, being the black metal, being the black metal godfather, helped Varg with his own personal one-man black metal project, Burzum. This partnership helped Varg become one of the most well-known black metal artists even to this day. The works of Burzum, I would say, in general, have overshadowed mayhem because Varg was very prolific and made a lot of music. But there's a lot to that, and I feel like that's best saved for the second part of this podcast, so I will just put a little tab on it. Don't threaten me like that. I'm going to put a little tab on it because Varg has his own history. But we have to talk about Mayhem before we get into Varg. These two would be the brains behind Mayhem's grand PR lead-up to their first album. They planned anonymous interviews with some of the biggest newspapers in Norway. They told journalists that if they called the police on them after hearing their information, they would shoot them. As the journalists approached Euronymous and most of the time Varg, they would call themselves satanic terrorists. And the little record shop, Hevelt, was a front for evil crimes they would commit. They said 
that they were responsible for a series of high-profile church burnings that went unsolved, and provided journalists enough details that the police knew but the public didn't, led them to believe that they were actually behind a series of church burnings. Ch that's... Okay, listen, I'm, you're not going to catch me jumping to churches' defenses too often, but have you seen Norwegian churches? That's a they're crime. Beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. They're fucking gorgeous. Like... They're, and they're boats that fell upside down, and they were like, let's build a god thing in here. And that is exactly what they wanted. I can't remember if Euronymous or Varg said this, but they said it was the perfect way to enhance black metal because not only are you offending the religious people who see this as a very important object, a, a very important place to go and pray, a place of godly status, but it also affected non-religious people who saw the beauty in the artistry. Burning these churches down made everyone miserable, which is exactly what the world deserves. I think that's just a line from Fight Club. <laughs> because they gave all these details, they were, of course, arrested, but they gave just enough details to prove that they knew about it, but not enough to prove a case in court, and they were all released. At least they're in the system, you know? I mean, per props to that. Varg would complain about his brief stay in prison, saying that Norwegian prisons suck. They have beds, toilets, and showers. And he wanted to be tortured in a dungeon like he truly deserved. He felt like he wasn't punished whatsoever. It's a damn shame Varg never got to see Guantanamo. <laughs> it really is. They go from being kids who are into edgy shit into, like, a literal undead mafia at this point. They admitted to crimes and got away with it because they didn't admit enough. On top of all of this, Varg admitted to killing that gay man in the woods that Faust reportedly murdered because there wasn't enough circumstantial... Or there, because there wasn't enough evidence that he actually did it and it was just him saying out loud that he did it. People attributed that murder to him. So now he was known as a murderer in the community, in the mainstream, which further enhanced what Euronymous wanted the band to be. Pure evil. I will spoil it. Faust is the man who stabbed that gay man, but Mayhem took all the credit after giving him a skull necklace. What a backstab. Stolen valor. That's what this is. That's exactly what this is, Spencer. This sensationalist news coverage absolutely worked to get the name of mayhem out there. Euronymous felt like this was the best way for them to start being able to sell their debut record. However, it attracted, surprisingly, a lot of negative attention. No PR is bad PR. People started protesting outside his record store. A lot of police investigations would be happening. And it got to the point that all this negative attention was hurting business rather than helping it. Has he tried getting like some uh, sheep's heads and pig's heads and doing some volleyball? That'll scare those posers away. <laughs> just start, yeah, just start knocking some dead animals around. It'd be fine. Scare them all off. Uh, it, it, it was really bad. Not only were they saying all these evil things, but then their business was being hurt. And they're like, oh, shucks, that didn't work the way I wanted. But... Varg would go on record to say that a lot of the sensationalist news coverage was definitely them overplaying their hand. Now, while Varg actually personally burnt down two churches and was in support of all of them, he said that Euronymous simply wanted to say to the public that they were doing this because he knew they would believe it. In reality, the Black Circle was just a bunch of fuck-ups and 
people who were down and out hanging out in a basement deciding to do crime. It wasn't like this evil satanic cult, which is what Euronymous wanted. Varg pretty much spilled the beans later on, saying, it was really just a bunch of asshole criminals. That's yeah, all it really is. Yeah, it's just a bunch of, like, image-hungry teens and basket cases. Right. He, he was saying, yeah, we didn't actually go around with, like, medieval, like, weapons and, like, kill religious people. We just said that because, of course, bad PR is still PR. It's still got their name out there, and we're talking about them now on this podcast, so it fucking worked. Unfortunately... For Euronymous, not for the world, he had to close down his record store because of all the protests hurting business, and it became way too expensive for him and his parents to own. His parents complained and said, dude, we, we can't own this place anymore. He said, oh, fine, mom and dad. And he had to give up the center of black metal he, because his parents said, we're running out of money, son. He wasn't even, how did I miss that detail that he wasn't even operating the store it was it was parentally subsidized. <laughs> Nothing that, says black metal like hanging out with my trench coat mafia friends in the basement of my parents' record store. I have no like I have no idea. I'm like I'm not relieved to hear about this guy living with his parents. I, I'm mortified that he's being supported and able to do these things, and none of these people are getting any kind of mental attention. But we're talking a little bit too much about, like, them being human, so let's get back to the fun part of it. We need to get an album out really fast, right, Spencer? Of course, yes. The deadline is coming. <laughs> we need to pay our rent. Mom and Dad are angry with me. I need to make a name for myself. Why don't you get a real job? I hate Walmart, Mom. God, I'm gonna go kill another sheep. They decide to record the album in only three days. Nice and quick. Without a proper store to sell the album in, though, Euronymous needed to find a huge moment in time to properly announce this album's existence. He didn't have Havelt anymore. So, what he and Varg did was go to the Nidaros Cathedral, one of the most famous Norwegian churches, and they took a picture of it for the album cover. They also bought 150 kilograms of explosives so that uh. on the day the album was released, they were going to blow this place sky high. Oh... It really takes the cake of, like, you know, when U2 was in a giant lemon to announce their new album. That's... Or when Green Day bought a bulletin board. You only have three days before my record releases <laughs> and I blow this church sky high! It's so comical to me. But that's what separates death metal from black metal, Spencer. These are actual threats. They are buying actual bombs. And they are actually going to blow up this church. Yeah, they're authentic. It kind of makes me respect death metal for not being authentic. I kind of like that. However, don't think that because these guys are planning a bombing party means that they get along. Euronymous is still an asshole. Trust me, I did not delude myself to think Euronymous became a team player in this time. <laughs> Even though he helped Varg's burgeoning career as Burzum, they still did not get along at all. He only really liked Varg because of his actions. He thought that he was literally worthy of the black circle and for being a black metal artist. But at the same time, they just did not get along. And in fact, Varg hated Euronymous because he saw through this ruse of playing it up to the press. He saw Euronymous as a shitty businessman under all of that makeup. He found out that due to an unsigned contract, that Euronymous was 
pretty much pocketing all of the money he should have been getting from Burzum. Varg was like, dude, I'm barely getting anything, and he's just pocketing all this cash. And Euronymous was like, well, yeah, I'm the creator of black metal. I'm letting you have this. I deserve most of the profits. Euronymous's unpopularity and his dick moves to everyone around him would reach a breaking point in August of 1993. You remember Necro Butcher, the bassist who was mortified over Dead's death? Hard to forget my favorite name thus far. He was very bitter about being replaced on Mayhem's first album by Varg, and he saw he, Varg uh, getting all this attention as he, Burzum. <laughs> He's mad that the band didn't just break up after he left? I would feel like it'd be like Slash being upset with Guns N' Roses continuing, you know. He's not the main guy. Yeah, but Axel didn't coax a member of the band into blowing their head off, like... (laughs) Doesn't it make you look back on Guns N' Roses and Axel Rose and think, could be worse? Yes, Jack. Well, here's the thing. Guns N' Roses didn't get better. My bar got lower, though. (laughs) So much lower. He, He was bitter, seeing all the success of his old band... Seeing black metal become this huge icon off of his friend's suicide. And the shitty man he dealt with, Euronymous, was capitalizing off of it and succeeding in being a shitty person. On top of that, Varg was getting huge recognition for him, recognition for his own work as Burzum, and he decided he had to do something about it. On the morning of August 10th, 1993, Necro Butcher decided he was going to go to Euronymous' apartment and kill him. He went through his home collection of weaponry to decide what he was going to do to his former bandmate. That's a bit of narrative flair. I don't know if he actually did that, but he did have a bunch of weapons. So I'm assuming he went through his gallery. He's like, eh, this is a scythe, a little too over the top. Uh, grenade launcher, pretty cool. Let's just go with an old-fashioned knife. That's classic. It's an oldie but a goodie. He left his home and started going to Euronymous's house, Euronymous's apartment, mm-hmm. and then caught wind of the newspaper headlines. Reading on August 9th, the day before, black metal musician Oystein Arseth, known as Euronymous, was stabbed 23 times in the head, neck, and back Ooh. at his flat in Ooh. Oslo, Norway. Ooh. Somebody beat him to it! <laughs> the day before... Necro Butcher freaked out and went to his house and got rid of all of his weaponry and drugs, thinking that the police were already on their way. He's like, of course they think it's me. I was about to go fucking do it. I thought you were going to say, he's like, oh, 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 I did it and I forgot. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) However, when he got back to his house and started throwing all of his drugs away, all of his weaponry, he turned on the news and found out they had already arrested somebody for the murder. It turns out Count Grishnak Varg (gasps) Vikanis... stabbed him to death. No! All over the unsigned contract related to the money he needed due to his project of Burzum that Euronymous would not give him. That's the least black metal reason to kill someone, Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Well, don't worry, Spencer, because it gets a little darker than that. Oh? There are conflicting reports of this. Mmm, controversy. The contract meeting was all a ruse. Varg said that Euronymous told some friends who then told Varg that in order to also coincide with the church explosion and the release of the debut album, he was going to tase Varg and torture him to death on videotape for their first music video. And he decided, I'm going to go and talk to him. And of course, that would lead to a confrontation and he killed Euronymous in self-defense. Others say... 
Varg was planning to go kill him due to the money, which is a lot more lame in my opinion. And he used the contract as a reason to go visit Euronymous and kill him himself. So how do we think that would have pulled on MTV? Do you think that that would have been like a hit? I think it would or... have uh, been pretty good. It's what, 1993? Like... How how else are you going to circulate that on VHS? I, I honestly have I no fucking I think he's just bullshitting. <laughs> you think he's just bullshitting? You I think don't think he's going to actually yeah. torture him? Yeah. Well, doesn't matter who was right, who was wrong. The fact of the matter is Euronymous was stabbed to death by Varg. What happened was Blackthorn and Varg went to go meet Euronymous about the contract. That's all Blackthorn said he knew, really. And Varg was going to just go in... Sign this contract saying, fine, you get all of Burzum's money, fuck off, and just separate himself from him. Blackthorn stayed downstairs and smoked a cigarette, not knowing what was going on. He he was not really involved with the murder whatsoever. He pretty much drove Varg there and then drove and then drove Varg away and disposed of his bloody clothes in the aftermath in a lake. So he was still complicit, but he didn't realize what was going to go down. Um, no, see, the way I see it, that still counts as accessory to murder, but oh, yeah. then again, oh, I don't yeah. know how the Norwegian justice system works. On top of that, this is right after the summer where Blackthorn was institutionalized, but escaped. So he was on the lamb from a mental institution at this time. Oh. And he actually accompanied Varg because he came up with some new guitar riffs that he wanted to show off because he was still under the preconception that they were going to be here about music. He didn't realize, oh, wait, no, we're full of murderers. That's idiot. right, I forgot. <laughs> what an idiot. Idiot. <sighs> Varg would say that Euronymous's body did have 27 cut wounds, but most of that was because he fell onto broken glass during their confrontation. He only stabbed him once out of self-defense. Do you think that that defense pulled through in Norwegian law, Spencer? Uh, considering it's kangaroo court, yes. Well, luckily for the police, they had a little bit more evidence this time. And it came in the form of a badass music video. <laughs> no, there was no videotape that captured oh, everything. damn it. <laughs> Necro Butcher, who is, to this date, the only person left who is associated with mayhem. He's kind of the void. When you the say left, do you mean living? No, I, I don't mean living. Oh, okay. I I'm, I'm kind of stepping a little bit beyond, but Necro Butcher is kind of... It's weird to say, but the sane person behind all this, the one person where, like, all of these details just come to us, and I'm like, okay, these are all just crazy people. Necro Butcher, you're the least crazy, so I'm going to take your word for it. Sure. Necro Butcher said that in a recent interview, this happened just several months ago, that the Norwegian police actually bugged all of their phones. The police were running a sting operation where they wanted to arrest them for the church burnings. But because they didn't have enough evidence for that, they wanted to nail them, and they wanted to wait for one of them to slip up. They heard Varg over the phone talking about how he was going over to Uranus's apartment to murder him. So the whole contract thing was a ruse. Because of that, the police decided, we really want to get rid of Euronymous too. Let's have him go kill him so that we're done with Euronymous and we can arrest him on murder charges and give him maximum sentencing. And that is exactly what happened, Spencer. Varg was arrested, and he was sentenced to a maximum sentence in Norwegian jail. 21 years. Sorry, it's it's Norwegian folklore. We can only give you so many years as we can count on our hands and our feet. <laughs> 
plus one for every sun in the sky. It's just one. 21 years, really, for murder. This is for murder for the church arsons. And with further police investigation, they found the explosives meant for the cathedral. So more evidence that he was planning something. And that's the maximum. How old is he? I, I gotta I know. Think he was, I think he was 21 at the time. Were they just holding out hope that he would, like, grow into a less shitty person in 21 years? It could just be an arbitrary number. Maybe it means it's like lucky number seven, but in Norway. I well, don't know. Well, that judge just had lunch, so he was in a good mood. And he was like, all right, 25 years for you. No, that's the problem, though. He wasn't in a good mood. That's the maximum sentence you could have in Norway. <laughs> that's the worst they could have done. If he was nice, he'd be like, eh, probation. <laughs> On top of all of this, not only did they find explosives, he was stockpiling ammo, and they found out he was going to blow up a far-left communist hangout area called the Blitz House. And he killed Euronymous because he knew that he was a Marxist-Leninist, and he would try to kill him if he found out that he was planning to blow up more than just churches. So not only was he blowing up churches, he was blowing up communists, he was murdering people. I just want to say we don't want Euronymous on our team. <sighs> just going to say he not in the club. No, distancing, pushing him very far away. <laughs> I will say this, 21 years in prison. I, I feel like even though that's not how much time I would want him to spend in jail, I bet he's a lot happier about those toilets and showers now. <laughs> Blackthorn was charged with complicity in the murder, and he was served eight years. Upon further questioning with Varg, they found out that he was not responsible for the gay man being stabbed to death in the forest, and they arrested Faust in the aftermath of all of this as well. Uh, wow, I really figured he would have gotten away with it after that long. Thankfully, he did not. And with Mastermind Euronymous dead, Varg in prison, and Hellhammer and Attila wondering what the fuck just happened, the band essentially died the same day that Euronymous did, and their debut album was released after all of this. The album was finally released in May of 1994, after Euronymous's parents filed complaints to have Varg's bass lines re-recorded. The drummer Hellhammer said, oh, of course I'll do that, picked up a bass guitar, realized he didn't know how to play it, and said fuck it and release it as it was. Bad time to realize you don't know how to play an instrument. He retroactively said that it was fitting to have the murdered and murderer on the same album. And as far as I'm aware, this is the only album in existence where the murderer and the murdered are on the same album at the same time. And I think that's where a lot of this album's recognition comes from. What's your favorite song off of The Murderer and the Murdered by Rise Against? <laughs> Mine is Bricks. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, Jack, what have you just put me through? I'm sorry, actually, I don't want his name anywhere near this. Let's separate those two as well. <laughs> Odin's beard, Jack, what have you just put me through? There you go. There you go. They love Odin. So that's a great thing to mention. I don't think I need to ask you, Spencer, but I'm going to do it anyway. How'd you like Mayhem's first album, The Mystery of Satan, whatever the fuck? Not the worst 46 minutes of my life. It's got ambiance. It's atmospheric. Won't somebody think of the poor drummer's feet? <laughs> Get those vocals as far away from this mess as possible. Maybe he thought to himself, you know, my feet are tired. I'll try to play bass. And he's like, oh, this makes my fingers tired. Fuck that. Just unbelievable stamina on those little ankles. Uh, oh, and, absolutely. And just hate the Gollum vocals. Really hate them. I'm an extreme metal fan. I, I really do enjoy, I, I would say, more death metal than black metal. The vocals are just something where you either accept it as something that is goofy or it annoys you. I, I, I 
I don't feel like I'm listening to this evil spirit. I feel like I'm listening to a kid making a weird voice. Nevertheless, it is something that because I love atmosphere and I love like the kind of huge noise of something like Loveless, it is still a genre that I absolutely love to listen to for like atmosphere purposes when I really want to feel like something dark and evil. That being said, I have since kind of stopped listening to metal as my main genre. It was a nice revisit, but it is, it, this is truly a testament to, can you separate art from the artist? Like, short of something like Roman Polanski, like, just unforgivable people. This is something I've wanted to do for Blunderphonics. We needed to get here, Spencer. This is the bottom. I don't think it gets darker from here. There's nothing but light at the end of this tunnel. This was truly trudging the depths of our uh, our, our bone troughs. <laughs> that just a disgusting hour. Uh, just absolutely reprehensible. But you know what? I do love music history, and it is unlike anything else I think I have ever heard in music. And we're going to get more into Varg, right? That's right, because even though he went to prison, there is still a lot to dive into with Varg. But we should kind of follow up with Mayhem. After Uranus' death, Necro Butcher decided he was going to take the mantle of Mayhem himself and continue on under that name. A lot of people in the black metal community kind of saw this as a weird cash grab on, like, just as bad as Euronymous capitalizing off of dead suicide, like, Okay, so your band member died and you just reclaimed his band, published music under his name. It was very strange. Mayhem continued on, though, as Necro Butcher. He recruited back Maniac from their first EP, and they kept Hellhammer on drums and continued on with experimental black metal music. And even though Necro Butcher is the only current member who has stuck through all of this, as of last year, they are still releasing no new shit. albums. I haven't listened to it because... I personally, like, I listened to the Murder album, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's enough for me. Yep. I feel like it's a pretty much a, it's like a completely different band, probably, too. I would have just went under Necro Butcher. You already have the name. That's an awesome name. Go under your own name. Separate yourself from this horribly cursed mayhem name. Oh, my God. Wipe the dirt off of your zombie clothes, Spencer. We are finally out of that grave. Let me shake these clean. Let me take these to the laundromat. Spencer, is there anything you would like to plug on this dark, dark episode of Blunderfine. I would just like to apologize to our listeners. <laughs> uh, this week, take a look at my YouTube channel. Uh, my video on Metal Gear Solid 2 is shaping up and it's getting ready for release. And I am very excited with where it's uh, where it's gotten thus far. I- I'm, I'm shocked. I thought you were going to like mention your occult fan base or like um, any dead animals you'd like to support. No, uh, but if you want to check out my Etsy, I am, I am selling some macabre trinkets. <laughs> That you may volleyball about at the next Riot Fest. I would like to shout out my Rate Your Music page, The Dissonant Opinion, where you can recommend albums to me. This was one of our recommendations, and it was something I just always wanted to talk about anyways. Special thanks to number 947 for recommending this to us, and thank you for breaking our souls. We we really appreciate it. I don't know how to express my appreciation that someone recommended this because they listened to the show. Um, But I also simultaneously wish they hadn't done this to me. (laughs) At least you can say you listen to what is considered one of the best black metal records. So you are now truly one of the cult, Spencer. You are true cult now, spelled with a B. True cult. All right, wipe off your corpse paint, Spencer. We are now going to be talking about Varg in the next episode. We're going to prison, fellas. We're going to prison. (laughs) 